Happy Monday, friends, and welcome back to the For Eternity and Until podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Grab your Bible, get on your comfy couch, maybe a cup of coffee, get ready to dive into God's Word today. If you're driving or you're on your treadmill or killing two birds with one stone listening while you're getting things done in your everyday life, bravo. That's the way I listen to podcasts too. So you might not be sitting with your Bible open in front of you, but put on your listening ears so that we can dive into God's truth and apply it to our lives together. This episode is for anybody who is in a dark and hidden place, who's looking around at the circumstances around them and wondering, is God still with me? I'm here to show you this morning. He absolutely is. And in dark seasons or light seasons, day or night, our God remains the same. And his purpose is to draw us closer to him and to help us be more aware of who he is and trust him more is ever present no matter what our circumstances look like. Let's dive into God's word together. You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori May Hine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. How are you feeling today? It's a simple question, but I think it's important to ask. How are you feeling? How are you showing up today? Can you name the emotion? And can you name the season that you're in? A friend of mine asked me this this morning. She said a friend asked her, what is the name of this season of motherhood for you? And her answer was "Hmm, beautifully surrendered. She's in a season where she's having to surrender her children in a brand new way. It's making her very uncomfortable and emotional. And yet at the same time, deeply refining her and bringing beauty into her relationship with her kids. Surrendered and beautiful seem a little bit um, like they're at odds with one another, you know? But in the kingdom of God, they always go hand in hand. So for you, in this current season that you're in, how would you name it? This season for me and my family has been a season of the nighttime. I had the privilege of attending a retreat a couple of weeks ago, And um, it was a very intimate retreat with other Christian leaders. And I was able to sit with my new friend, Alicia Britt Colet, who I really hope could come on the podcast with me someday. I'm going to ask her. Um, She wrote a book called Anonymous and Sacred Slow. I read through her book called The 40 Days of Decrease, which is a, a pairing for the season of Lent. She's one of my favorite authors, and I got to spend some significant time with her for a few days. She has a new book that's coming out all about God being the God of the nighttime. And she gave this beautiful breakout that just kept my wheels turning about the goodness of God, even when the circumstances seem like we should escape them, that God has purpose in the daytime and in the nighttime. But in our culture and sometimes in different Christian churches, we hear this message that if we're in night seasons or in seasons of suffering and pain, that we should pray to have them end, right? Lord, heal me. God, bring my financial breakthrough. Lord, bring provision. And these are all honest things to pray. We all have needs in the spirit and needs in the natural that we need to ask for, but One thing that I've been praying more than the circumstantial circumstantial shifts that I would really like to see, 
I am praying that God would use every single element of my life, hard, good, complex emotions and circumstances to draw me closer to him, to make me more like him, and to refine my trust and my faith. And I don't know about you, but it's always in the night seasons where God could do that the best. I was reminded in Genesis chapter one, she pointed out during our breakout that God created day and night and called it good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God was present in the darkness before all of creation. And when he set the world in motion, and then he created light forms in the sky, the sun, the moon, he still made room for the darkness. He still designated both day and night and called them good. And in our lives, we're not meant to live in a perpetual state of daytime. I talked with a friend, a new friend this week who had a period of depression and anxiety that kept her awake for a full seven days without sleep. And by the end of that seventh day, she was feeling, you know, deeply depressed and out of sorts and out of her mind and considering, considering, um, ending her life because of this lack of sleep, her mind and her body couldn't work correctly. And our culture almost teaches us that we're supposed to be little robots, right? We wake up early, we go to bed um, late, we get as much done as possible, we remain efficient, and God is inviting us into a rhythm of day and night, and he calls both of them good. And when we face night seasons, these night seasons that come with testing and circumstances that are difficult and hard and refining for our character, it's just like our physical nighttime that we experience every day. It's an invitation for us to crawl into bed, to lay our head down, to rest, to acknowledge our limitations, to honor God with the limitations of our humanity and to entrust ourselves fully to the God who is working even when we're asleep. We sang at church that song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working, this miracle waymaker song. It is true that if it's nighttime here on this side of the world, it's daytime in the other side of the world, and he is at work all around us, always working all things together for our good, even when we can't see it and control it. And so deep-rooted trust and faith and the delight of heaven and the eternal reward that we have in him is that we actually get to rest and choose joy in the midst of circumstances that feel like it's impossible to do so because we have an eternal hope. And there is this really incredible moment in Genesis chapter 8 that I was reading earlier this week that I want to read to you about Noah. Now, Noah, we most of us know this story. He's the one who built the ark and God's judgment covered the entire world. And Noah was entrusted with building this ark and um, saving, you know, two of every kind of animal. 
and preserving the human race and all of the creatures of the earth in the midst of God's judgment and big reset button on the world. And I mean, considering who Noah was and what he was entrusted with as far as his job description goes is pretty interesting to think about. There had never before Noah, at least some theologians believe, had ever experienced rain before. When you see in Genesis chapter one, where the Lord split the waters, there's a water above and there was a water below. And this atmospheric water above, they believe, was um, capped and there was no actual rainfall that happened before Noah. So him actually creating a boat at all and entrusting decades upon decades upon decades of his life in building this when there was no circumstantial evidence that, he, that rain actually ever fell from the sky until it started. Noah lived a life of loneliness He lived a life that was set apart for God. He lived a life of purpose beyond what he could see in that moment. And then once God fulfilled his promise, he was trapped in a boat with a bunch of animals. And I don't know about you, but I can't make it even like eight hours with my kids in the car before I start feeling like, get me out of this place, right? But he was in this boat with his family, with all these stinky, gross animals for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. And then the waters had to have time to recede and to evaporate, which also took time until they finally landed on solid ground. And you can imagine what he would be navigating and looking at. Like imagine when you're on the ocean floor and the tide goes out and the ground and the sand is wet and Um, There's dead animals, maybe dead jellyfish, or if you go to a swamp where it's drying out and you're seeing skeletons of fish and whatever else, when the water recedes and you kind of are navigating through this murky, gross floor, there's death all around him. Every other human being is dead. All of the animals on the earth are dead. All of the plants that were covered in water now died and it was dirty and it was full of decay and it smelled bad. And here's Noah, the last one standing with his family to preserve humanity and all of creation. And he gets out of the boat and um, in verse 20 of chapter eight, this is what he does. It says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from its youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And verse 22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So many of you listeners know that I love Awana's child discipleship resource called Talk About. I use it with my kids to help facilitate deeper and more intentional conversations with them about their faith. And one of my favorite things that they send me in my email every week 
is a little song to help my kids memorize scripture. Here's a little clip of me and my daughter singing our memory verse from last week. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalm 145, 18. Melt your heart, right? So cute. I love this resource because they send everything to my email and there's something for all the different learning styles, something to color, something to write, something to create together, something to read, something to talk about. And it's really easy and it doesn't feel very scholastic. So my kids are able to engage in the conversation and we're able to build off of it throughout the week as things apply to that lesson that's learned. If you want to check it out, go to www.talkaboutdiscipleship.org. And if you want one month free, use the code, all caps, ETERNITY. The link is in the show notes. Go check it out. So first of all, let me just say, Noah probably had very low inventory of animals. During the time period when they were on the ark, I'm sure some of them reproduced. So he's taking from a very small inventory of animals and offering God a sacrifice of praise, first thing, that sent up this healing and soothing and beautiful aroma before the Lord, that the very first thing that would happen would be a sacrifice that said, God, I trust you. Here I am with death and decay all around me. And my first priority is to send up this aroma of sacrifice to God with the small inventory of animals that I have to offer to him. It was his first thought. And God responds, blessing all of creation and saying, even though man's heart is prone to wander, I will not ever do this again. Not until the final judgment and when he makes all things new, when the gospel and this truly good news is finalized, not just with Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, but with his second coming and the new heaven and the new earth and all things made new. That's the end of the story we haven't even seen yet. We're awaiting, we're anticipating, we're believing for it. But he says, in this in-between period of time, there will always be this dichotomy and this rhythm, seed time and harvest, cold, heat, winter, summer, day and night. These things shall not cease. Our God is a God who is still good and still is completing his purposes in us in both seed time and harvest. We don't live in an abundant, consistent harvest time. We also live in seed time. We also live in cold and heat in different seasons, winter and summer and day and night. And when we hit our night seasons in our life, it is not evidence that God is punishing us. It's not evidence that he's left us or abandoned us. It doesn't mean that we're falling behind in our spiritual walk with God. It means that God is revealing a new angle of his character to us and inviting us into a different part of the rhythm of his good creation that he has entrusted to us and that he delights enough to participate in it with us. And so while the earth remains, there will always be these different seasons. When you hit them, you have a choice on how you respond. I'm going to flip over here to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13. Solomon is wrestling with this reality. 
that there is this consistent ebb and flow to creation that he cannot control. Even his own life and death torments him throughout most of his ponderings and wonderings through all of the book of Ecclesiastes. He has to acknowledge and recognize that his life is limited and it's going to come to an end. And as he's asking these questions, he sends up this truth in verse 13 of chapter 7 in Ecclesiastes and says, Consider the work of our God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider that surely God has appointed one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will happen after him. This is the life that's lived in faith, right? Faith isn't seeing your XYZ, ABC steps ahead of you and doing it. That's not faith. (laughs) Faith is evidence of things that are hoped for and what is not seen. It's this unseen life. And, And Solomon says in order to for God to keep us in this perpetual state, of faith so that we cannot understand anything that comes after him. After we die, there's no talking to us any longer. (laughs) We enter into eternity. Our life here on earth ends. Surely consider that in days of adversity, God has appointed these just as much as he's appointed, uh, appointed the daytime and the harvest time. He's appointed the seed time and he's appointed the nighttime and he has a beautiful encounter of his presence in those moments. My pastor was explaining that it was in the fourth watch during the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. where some key things happened in scripture. The stone was rolled away after Jesus died between 3 and 6 a.m. Jesus met the disciples walking on the water to meet them early in that fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m. He sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane between 3 and 6 a.m., telling his disciples, stay up with me, pray with me. But here's Jesus in the garden. And this idea of, you know, Jesus is still at work even when we aren't. God is still working all things together, even when we aren't. Jesus knew how to rest, but he also knew how to work in that fourth watch twilight hour when he was communing with God and fashioning together key parts of the story while others were asleep. Jesus was at work. So God is still working in the fourth watch of our lives as well as we rest in him. He is still at work. When we are in the nighttime, we get to choose how we respond to the nighttime, knowing that God uses these night seasons for our good. And I love what it says in Psalm 130. I'm going to read it for you here. It says, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And as I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. 
For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. In the nighttime, we have the choice to respond this way. I will wait for the Lord. I will encounter his presence more than watch for the morning, which means more than me wanting my circumstances to change. I want to encounter God in the midst of this dark, hidden, and refining season. I want him more than I want for a glimpse of the morning. And yet, for us, on the other side of the entrance of Jesus, we have a beautiful reality where we are ever present in the light when we're present with him in the dark place. Like the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Here's what it says at the beginning of John. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This is our beautiful reality that we have in Christ, is that even in the dark seasons, even in the nighttime, we have a God that doesn't leave us. He made all of these things day and night, and in him is life, and life was the light of men. This is what's entrusted to us as believers, is that we actually get to choose joy in the midst of the darkness. Jesus promised us trouble of many kinds. He says, in this world, there will be trouble of many kinds, but take heart because I've overcome the world. But he never promises us that we will have joy (laughs) from the world. Joy is something that we have to choose in our spirit aside from our circumstances many times. Even when our circumstances are good, isn't it true that sometimes it's really vulnerable and scary to be joyful and it's a harder emotion to engage But in Christ, we have this light of life that is ever present for us. And God so graciously illuminates one step at a time in that twilight hour, in that night season, that fourth watch. More than those who watch for the morning, for the shifting of circumstances, what if we engaged in the light that shines in the darkness, even when the darkness cannot comprehend it, to witness and encounter God in the night season? rather than caving into the worry or the shame of the things that you're navigating. Boldly ask God, will you show me your purposes here and meet me in a fresh and new and beautiful way today in the night? So friend, I love you. I'm praying for you guys who are listening to this podcast that God would reveal himself in a fresh and new way to you that you would encounter him, that you would trust him, that you would abide in him, and that all of the purpose and hope and joy that you are pursuing is anchored in the eternal purpose that is impossible for you to lose. 
this heavenly reality that we get to exist in now for eternity and until. God bless you as you walk through your week and we'll talk to you next Monday. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.